Michael O'Regan's Call from the Doll on Kerry Today. Yeah, Falcher Ash, could he carry today? Michael O'Regan is with us on the line with Call from the Doll. And Michael, it's eviction ban, eviction ban, eviction ban uh, this week. Tr- insults being traded, um, barbs being fired across the floor of the doll, um, uh, Sinn Féin pushing hard on this one. There's going to be a vote when they return in a couple of weeks' time to the doll. Uh, will will the government be under any sort of pressure, particularly maybe the Green Party, in terms of their backbenchers and their comfortableness in voting against whatever motion gets put by Sinn Féin? Uh, I, they certainly will be under pressure, Jerry. I'm not too sure that the government would lose this. Um, now, there is a week, by the way, uh, for uh, anger to fester over this. TDs, who will be at home, the, all the ministers will be abroad, uh, will be getting heat in their uh, constituents, uh, constituencies, um, clinics and that. Even perhaps the St. Patrick's Day Parade uh, might give uh, some members of the public an opportunity to express uh, their annoyance about this. But I don't think that government backpunchers will be anxious to walk into what they would see as a Sinn Féin trap, political trap on this. Now, Nasser Hurrigan of the Greens and Patrick Costello of the Greens uh, both have expressed reservations about that, but they haven't said that they will vote against the government. On the Fianna Fáil side, John McGuinness, who's always pretty outspoken from Carlo Kilkenny, uh, has, uh, uh, you know, is unhappy with ending the ban, but he hasn't said that he'd vote against the government. Uh, I think what will happen here, Jerry, is this. The ministers will return, having saved the world, uh, and there will be an amendment, a government amendment, to uh, the Sinn Féin private members' motion. And I think that government amendment will be phrased in such a way as to say, we're doing this, that, and whatever uh, about homeless, and that I would say most of the backbenchers uh, will be on side, with the possible exception, maybe, right now, of uh, the two Greens. But we have we, the, the two Greens, we have to wait and see what they will do. They've been in trouble before not supporting the government, uh, and, you know, they were suspended for a while from the party. You can't go on, Jury, as a backbencher, having it both ways, uh, wanting your party in government and yet not supporting your party. Just politics doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is, has come up before for especially, especially Nasser Horrigan, who's a constituency colleague of of Minister for for Public Expenditure Reform, Pascal Donoghue. Various different issues. He's already left or already been suspended over one vote. Is this going to keep happening? Do you think, or will party discipline have to be um, implemented by the Greens by him and Ryan? Well, if it, if it were to keep happening, the Greens would become a joke. I, I mean, uh, you, you, you know, the uh, late Liam Cosgrave, when he was a Fine Gael Taoiseach, a civil servant, told me that uh, in that 73-77 coalition, when Labour were, some Labour people, backbenchers, would get uneasy, Cosgrave used to look on, onto the middle distance and say, when you take the shilling, you follow the drum. Now, uh, the late Seamus Brennan advised the Greens they were going to be playing senior hurling when going into government, and that's the reality. Uh, Eventually, if NASA Hurricane, and she's a very, very, uh, uh, Hurricane, if she's a very, and she is a very, you know, able TD and all that, but decision about her own political future. Yeah, and that is that is the question that comes through to it. If you have a view for us on it, get in touch with us on the programme. As, as aside from all that, Michael, in terms of what's being, you know, thrown at the government on the eviction ban, uh, the, the wider problem, and this is a problem, 
uh, a huge problem and this is outlined by the teacher himself when he was speaking to his own parliamentary party about the issue uh, 250,000 houses needed um, they've had programme after programme uh, scheme after scheme more news this morning in the papers about a, a poor take up for, for a buyback scheme in Dublin by local authorities even though there's a couple of hundred in the, on the, on, on, uh, in the consideration of perhaps maybe being purchased under that scheme but this is a problem that they're, they're failing to solve and do you and do you think that the public will buy the line that was given to the Finnegale Parliamentary Party meeting 250,000 houses it's going to take a long time to fix but we're turning a corner is that going to wash? Uh, no they won't buy that uh, the, the public won't buy that line I mean that figure I think pretty well shocked people they won't buy that line Jerry, when there are people homeless including young families and the trauma and stress they're suffering this weekend and over the next uh, uh, few days. So the public uh, won't buy that. Um, uh, The the failure of the government on this has been uh, they haven't introduced the measures they're now talking about uh, in time to coincide with the end of the ban. Uh, Like one of of the proposals they're throwing around is that there would be uh, tax concessions for people. These would be small landlords or the accidental landlord, somebody who bought a property during the boom and now find themselves, you know, having to rent it out or whatever and wanting perhaps to get rid of it. Uh, But those who own a second home uh, and if they're sold it to a tenant or a local authority or, um, you know, an approved housing uh, uh, body, uh, that would be tax exemptions. Now, that's that's something that does seem to make sense on paper. But the problem he's here, the minister housing is going off to America for St. Patrick's Day when he should be in the department with, by the way, the Attorney General who would be advising legally. He's also off abroad for St. Patrick's Day even though he's uh, the legal advisor to the government has no policy input uh, and nothing will happen uh, apparently for a, a number of critical days and the optics of ministers flying around the world at a time uh, when there's uh, a terrible housing crisis, that's uh, that's shocking. One of the points Jerry raised yesterday with Michal Martin in the Thaw, he said that uh, the government had bit more sourcing, uh, social housing. Uh, the figure is bigger since 1975. Now, that's because, of course, uh, there were no houses being built for a long time. But 1975 is an interesting year because uh, in uh, at that time, the Fine Gael Labour government was in power uh, um, led by Liam Cosgrave and Brendan Cordish, uh, the Labour leader was tarnished. Uh, they faced uh, an oil crisis, a recession. Yet, during the lifetime of that government, they built 100,000 social houses, which was a remarkable achievement. So, uh, you know, this government might look uh, perhaps a little bit historically at what's happening and gain some insight on how they tackled this problem. Does Ivana Batchik have a point in terms of you know, or, or is this is that populist to say, oh, you can't, you should be stay home and stay planning? Would that really make a difference, Michael? Or is, it, is she politically point scoring and saying, no, you're Mr. Housing, you're in crisis, the housing crisis is there, eviction ban row, you need to avoid the parades in Atlanta and stay home and do your job? No, I, I think she's right. I, I think she's right. And uh, it would, if nothing else, it might reassure people that the government are, are really serious about this. Uh, I know she was accused by Fianna Fáil of making a political point, but she's absolutely right. And in fact, it's not unusual for ministers dealing with a crisis situation 
to, uh, uh, you know, abandon plans to go abroad, even to Brussels or whatever, uh, you know, for a ministerial meeting or whatever. Uh, and uh, she's right. And it's going to look pretty awful uh, next week. No dolls sitting. Uh, apparently, uh, nothing being done on the housing front. Perhaps they will say it's being done at official level. They said that lots being done. We've all these schemes where, where 1,500 homes that, you know, funding 1,500 homes to be bought by local authorities from landlords who are selling up. They're saying all these things are happening. The problem is they take time. Uh, but, yeah, but, Jerry, that's okay for the, uh, politicians to say that. And we understand that it will take time. Uh, but why it wasn't done before the ending of the ban is a serious question. And yeah. also, it's cold comfort, literally, to families facing eviction. Yeah. OK, we'll talk more about this and other issues. Michael, referendum in the offing as well. We'll get to that and more after we take these. Michael O'Regan's Call from the Doll on Kerry Today. No, Michael, an announcement made uh, during the week that uh, to coincide with International Women's Day on the 8th of March that there's going to be a referendum to remove the provision in the Constitution that effectively a woman's place is in the home. Uh, and this, I suppose, Michael, this comes back and it goes back to the days of Eamon de Valera who put together and put that uh, uh, provision in the Constitution affirming that the, the common good, the public good, could not be served if a woman was forced to economic necessity to leave the home. Here's a little bit of the 1943 speech made on St. Patrick's Day 1943 about the Ireland perhaps maybe the Eamon de Valera was dreaming of when he put that provision in the Constitution. The ideal Ireland that we would have, the Ireland that we dreamed of, would be the home of a people who valued material wealth only as a basis for right living. Of a people who satisfied with frugal comfort, devoted their leisure to the things of the spirit. A land whose countryside would be bright with cosy homesteads, whose fields and villages would be joyous with the sounds of industry, with the romping of sturdy children, the contest of athletic youths, and the laughter of happy maidens, whose firesides would be forms for the wisdom of serene old age. The home, in short, of a people living the life that God desires that men should live. With the tidings that make such an island possible, St. Patrick came to our ancestors 1,500 years ago, promising happiness here no less than happiness hereafter. It was the pursuit of such an island that later made our country worthy to be called the island of saints and scholars. It was the idea of such an Ireland, happy, vigorous, spiritual, that fired the imagination of our poets, that made successive generations of patriotic men give their lives to win religious and political liberty. There you go, that's Eamon de Valera and that famous speech that he made in 1943, Michael, and the provision, 2023, that we're looking to remove from the Constitution. That's right, Jerry. Did you ever hear such withering drivel uh, uh, from any politician? I know, Michael. Ever? He was talking about what he dreamed of. He got lots of support, landslide victories, and, and it was a, an ideal that he aspired to. That's fair enough, Jerry, and I accept that. And Joe Lee, by the way, that great son of Castle Gregory, the historian, um, said that there was a political motive to it. 
because he was tapping into the Irish psyche and all that kind of thing. Uh, and of course it would have been an ideal Ireland, but it wasn't possible. Um, I was just reading some stuff by Joe Lee recently, and uh, he noted, by the way, uh, that Ireland had the... Wait for this now, Jerry. This was 1943, Eamon de Valera, with an eye uh, to, uh, uh, you know, gaining popularity. Uh, Ireland had the highest rate of female immigration of any European country between 1945, two years after he made that St. Patrick's Day speech, and 1960. And also... um, part of that constitutional provision which by the way at the time uh, was, uh, it didn't go down well with many women uh, within Fianna Fáil uh, uh, at that particular time, uh, some of the more outspoken, but of course, they didn't get their way, he drafted the constitution with the assistance of the then our, our, the then uh, uh, senior priest in the Dublin Diocese uh, John Charles McQuaid later to become Archbishop, but also that constitutional provision said that uh, uh, it should the state should endeavour to ensure that mothers shall not be obliged by economic uh, necessity to engage in labour to the neglect of their duties in the home. Yeah. Uh, now, now that, that that provision wasn't met uh, because in subsequent um, in not alone was there the high immigration of women in subsequent years, but uh, immigration took off post-war. Yeah. Between 51 and 61, 500,000 people left the country. But Michael, isn't that, is that a point on the, on the language of the time as divorced from the reality? Emmett Leverett's speech there talks about the men who fought and died for Ireland and the men who were patriots. Was it just that was the time men were preeminent, women were airbrushed from reality and history, the history of the struggle that he lived through. He would have known many common to man women and relied on them to save his life and carry important messages and risk their own lives. But they were just airbrushed and they were put into a specific place in the Constitution. Back to the home now, we'll forget about what you did in the fight for Ireland's freedom. Is the language not even telling Uh, there? Absolutely. Uh, uh, They they, they were airbrushed. And even the, the... the neglect, you know the phrase, the neglect of their duties in the home. In the home. Duties, uh, rather unfortunate word. But the, you're quite right, Jerry. And it's, it's hard not to conclude, and we're about to witness now the 80th anniversary of that broadcast, St. Patrick's Day coming up. It's hard not to conclude that uh, de Valera, without per- perhaps knowing it himself, was uh, guilty of some misogyny because of his own personal experience, where his mother sent him back from the United States to, play, uh, to, to be uh, uh, raised in Ireland. Uh, and then there was a question mark. Historians have sought over the years uh, to get evidence that his parents were married. Now, that's nobody's business today, but in those days... It was used as a political, a political charge against him back in the day. Let me ask exactly. you this. Let me ask you this, Michael, in relation to that, though, and, and what's being proposed now, uh, concerns raised about the turnout in November by the Taoiseach when this was being announced, the, the issue... No, is it, a, to an extent, the language is obviously, in the context of today, incendiary, and, and uh, probably needs to be removed from that point of view. And there's talk about the role of carers being defined in the Constitution. Some people have objections to that, that it may be a little bit too ambiguous and it's not a, 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 an easy or light thing to change any language in the Constitution because of unintended consequences. But to, on the wider sense of, of the reality of what happens on the ground, didn't Charlie McCreevy put this to bed? Tax individualisation encouraged financially women to get out from the home, made it pay better for both parents to be working. 
and tax them in that. He he did. So is there any point on that level of doing this, other than symbolic, uh, I suppose the question I'm asking? I think we've reached a stage, Jerry, where it is entirely symbolic now, because even the definition of the family has changed in Ireland. And, um, you know, quite significantly since uh, the Constitution was drafted. Uh, And you're quite right. But I, I think the fact that it was there was a source of irritation, particularly to women. And probably should have been removed before now. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's going to happen in November. There'll be, there'll be a, a debate. That question is an interesting one, though. What will the turnout be like? How vigorously will this be fought or opposed, perhaps, maybe? And, and, and what sort of uh, engagement will there be from the public on this? That's an interesting one, because some, sometimes, uh, particularly if there's a controversial political issue around, people tend not to, you know, not to vote in huge numbers in referendums, which is a pity, by the way. It's a pity. I suspect that it will get a very strong vote from women uh, and hopefully from people uh, generally. But you're quite right, Jerry. Um, Sometimes uh, some of us are a bit slow to vote in referendums and I just don't get it, actually. Okay, Michael, we'll talk more about that, no doubt, when it comes into focus in the months to come. Public transport very much into focus. Now, there was meant to be a memo brought to Cabinet on this in terms of parking charges, congestion charges, a year-long sort of modelling research programme done while changes are implemented in order to try and change attitudes among the Irish public and incentivise them, perhaps maybe, or punish them or penalise them into getting out of the car and getting into the bus or the train or onto a bicycle or walking to work or doing their daily business, whatever that is. It's had to be delayed because of resistance around the cabinet table. That's right. And there's an air of unreality about it too. Uh, uh, For instance, that suggestion of entirely fear-free travel was daft, I think. You know, uh, where would the money, where would you get, where would you take the money that would cost from? Five, between 550 million and 750 million a year. Do you take it from social welfare? You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no. and, and it would actually get more people off walking and cycling as opposed to out of cars, which would be the idea behind it, would have been the original idea Absol- behind it. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, it's very basic, Jerry. If, if you want people to give up their cars, uh, uh, you, you have to provide an adequate public transport uh, service. And this is becoming unfortunately a kind of an urban rural thing in ways because where I live in Dublin jury if I drive if I drive into Dublin city centre and I face in time a congestion charge I would have no sympathy for myself because uh, uh, I have an excellent public service uh, uh, transport system bus and blues so uh, and that impl- and that goes for a whole swathe of people right in, in in urban areas but if if you live in rural Kerry and you have to, for some reason, drive to Limerick or Cork City uh, uh, because of where you live. You, you don't have a public transport service from your home uh, and you face a congestion charge. Then I think that would be unfair. Uh, and it's, it's, it's as basic as that. And until you have a transport system, that means people have the option of leaving their cars at home or doing it out of car or whatever, then uh, it, this 
this debate is a bit farce in some ways. But, but are we set, Michael, for trouble at Cabinet or maybe trouble on the wider side of the backbenches if this uh, legislation comes in and if this, this programme is embarked on, which it probably will be? And this ties into the debate we had over that road in Galway which was thrown back because there wasn't a proper environmental assessment and the question of, well, how is the money going to be divided up? The capital expenditure, roads or public transport? The Greens, obviously, and, and others wanting far more money put in public transport as opposed to roads. And, and maybe in rural Ireland, be it independent TDs or backbench government TDs saying, no, 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 I need a motorway, I need a road. And sometimes they need it because they can point to it and say, there's the road that we built, vote for me, rather than here's 50 new buses that, that people may not know about. That's right. I mean, look at the long lead up to the McCroom bypass. Uh, you know, which was a, a much trumpeted road, uh, 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 etc., etc., and required and worthy. But you're right. Uh, what's going to happen is uh, not alone will there be uh, some tensions at cabinet level, but I can see rural backbenchers uh, um, uh, going along with something uh, that would see rural Ireland suffering, perhaps because of uh, an emphasis on public transport in urban areas. But no, yeah, the, que- the question would be, if they're, if they're to sell it, I suppose, Michael, politically and otherwise, it would have to be rural transport, maybe major projects, and I don't know the feasibility or the affordability of it, major rural, radical rural transport developments in rural Ireland, like Kenmare to Killarney, Listowel to Tralee, you know, Dingle into, into, and Castlemaine and Milltown into Killorglan, those sort of areas, seeing something that we've never seen before. Is that what was being that, proposed, I suppose? That's exactly it. That's what's required and that's going to cost a lot of money uh, and a lot of planning. And until we have that, uh, uh, we're, kind of a, we're kind of in a vacuum. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting to see, by the way, Holly Kearns, who's the uh, leader now of the, uh, the SOC Dems, and she represents Cork South West. A, a big rural area and it appears to see what she has to say on it actually yeah yeah and look the other side of it is Metro North is being talked again or Metro Link as it's been called now they're gathering together their plans they're going to be going for planning they'll be going for tendering how many billion they can't even see at the moment and how many billion will go for that versus how many billion perhaps needed for the new public transport network for rural Ireland Michael that's a that's another row coming up at the cabinet table a cabinet table dominated by Dublin TDs. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I go back, Jerry, to my own, the, the example of where I live in Dublin. My three local TDs are all ministers, uh, um, which is why you could, you know, you could eat your dinner on the roads around where I live at the moment. But you're right. And uh, it would be a shame if it, if, it, if it ever degenerated into an urban-rural row. But uh, I, I, I absolutely, I can't understand the... Uh, the people who say it's time for people to use public transport and not recognise that on this island there are people living in rural areas who don't have that option. Yeah. Okay, Michael, listen, we're going to leave it there. My thanks to you for talking to us in the programme this morning with Call from the Doll. It's Michael O'Regan and Call from the Doll. What he had to say this morning, we want your views on 0667 the number to call us on. No, Michael, next week. St. Patrick's Day, the ministers are like uh, the, the wild geese they're, they're flocking and flying and getting ready to head off uh, not just the ministers but the, the local authority, Cahirlig and chairpersons and chairwomen and chairmen and all that they're heading off as well for next week but the doll will be back the week after that for St. Patrick's Day. If you-